Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. In the last weeks, I've been talking theoretically about the Satipatthana Sutta and related early discourses in an attempt to come to a comprehensive, convincing, functional and cognitively astute interpretation that adheres as strictly as feasible to what the early texts say. I've concluded that the Satipatthana is a wisdom practice of contemplation by which we verify teachings of the Buddha in actual experience repeatedly so that these teachings are internalized so that they become our normal way of experiencing the world. In this way, we gain knowledge and vision of how things are, a result approaching awakening. Satipatthana is a development of right view that gives particular attention to the teachings of non-self and impermanence, but is extensible in principle to the entire Dhamma, insofar as this is subject to direct experience, a quality attributed to the Dhamma in general in the early texts. As a contemplative practice, Satipatthana also gives rise to samadhi or jhana, which then plays a critical cognitive role in producing its results. The Satipatthana Sutta is in fact structured as a practice tutorial consisting of 21 practice exercises. In the coming weeks, I intend to take up most of these exercises in turn to guide listeners who so choose to try these features out in their own practice. I'll make use of the Satipatthana framework as I've presented it in order to orient the listener but I'll dispense with intellectual arguments in order to focus on practical details of what it is you should be doing when in your meditation practice. If you are already a meditator, trying out this practice will probably require some adjustment to your current practice, but your existing skills will certainly be an advantage. This presentation of Satipatthana is new. So if you should decide to take my instructions up seriously in ongoing practice, I'd very much like to hear from you with questions and feedback. You can email me at bhikkhu.chintita at gmail.com, my name with a dot in the middle. Our first exercise concerns breath. Most meditators are familiar with breath meditations. Many use it as a so-called samatha meditation, an entry into samadhi. This is generally achieved by focusing relentlessly on the breath at a single point of contact, such as the nostrils. The goal is to facilitate 
a still state of mind certainly beneficial. However, satipatthana contemplation of the breath is different from this. Its key features can be seen in the prelude of the sutta before we get to the breath contemplation. Here, bhikkhus, a bhikkhu abides contemplating body in the body, ardent, comprehending, and proficient, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. Ardency is required for all Buddhist practice. We have to approach all practice, but Satipatthana in particular, wholeheartedly, not casually, be willing to put time and effort into it as new results build upon old results. If you are beginning a meditation practice, almost daily at least 10 or 15 minutes is good pace with which to start, putting all else aside for that time. Be sincere. Experienced meditators will want to put in much more practice. Comprehension is where most of the work of Satipatthana is performed. This is the careful observation of relevant details described in the exercises as they unfold in experience moment by moment, drawing our Dhammic know-how in as it interprets what is going on. This requires utmost attentiveness to all the factors relevant to the practice task. If we attempt to focus attention only on a single point, as in many types of meditation, we will quickly defeat the purpose of satipatthana, because there is little to comprehend. Attention needs to be as broad as needed to comprehend the current situation in its relevant details. Compare this to walking meditation, which many of you have practiced. If you maintain a one-pointed focus, you will trip or walk into a wall. We do the same thing, figuratively speaking, if we try satipatthana on the cushion with a one-pointed mind. Proficiency is the dhammic know-how we bring to perform the current exercise. Satipatthana exercises are continuously engaged with Dhamma, unlike most meditation techniques. This is a critical difference between the Satipatthana breath exercise and almost any other follow-the-breath exercises you might have learned. These instructions I'm imparting right now will be a necessary part of your Dhammic know-how before you bring the breath exercise to the cushion. The breath exercise will focus on the Dhammas of non-self and impermanence, and any understanding of these important teachings contribute to the success of this exercise. Proficiency is also the beneficiary of Satipatthana practice. It accumulates the insights and learns new habits through practice. We call this internalization. If all goes well, you should arise from the cushion each time with a better intuitive understanding of non-self and impermanence. And this will become part of the proficiency which you then put to use the next time you sit down to practice.
Finally, putting away covetousness and grief for the world is the beginning of a narrowing of attention. This is to separate yourself from worldly concerns for the duration of the contemplation, beneficial to virtually any other meditation practice as well. A further narrowing of attention will occur with the arising of samadhi and each jhana in turn, but this occurs naturally with engagement in ardent, dhammically supported comprehension. It is not a goal of practice, but it contributes to the results. Let's listen to what the breath exercise itself says. It begins as follows. Here a bhikkhu gone to the forest or the root of a tree or to an empty hut sits down, having folded his legs crosswise, set his body erect, proficiently attending to what is in front. The first of the 21 exercises, the breath exercise, provides more details than the others, and these carry over to most of the other exercises. Going to a secluded spot benefits putting covetousness and grief aside. An upright, stable posture stills the body, which will still the mind and encourage samadhi. Proficiently attending brings the relevant dhamma to mind and begins the process of comprehension of relevant situational details. Did I tell you that proficiency attentiveness is literally what the Pali word satipatthana means? What is in front is the know-how and observations relevant to performing this exercise which includes observable factors of breath on the experiential side and at least non-self and impermanence on the side of Dhamma. Let's continue. Proficient, he breathes in. Proficient, he breathes out. This tells us that we are keeping Dhamma in mind, but we are not yet told what teaching we are focused on. Breathing in long, he comprehends, I breathe in long. Or breathing out long, he comprehends, I breathe out long. Breathing in short, he comprehends, I breathe in short. Or breathing out short, he comprehends, I breathe out short. No Dhamma yet, just the experiential factors we'll look at in Dhammic terms. Center the mind on breathing, on the physical, bodily sensations of in-breath and out-breath. Try to follow the course of each in-breath, the beginning, the middle, the end. Notice that it stops and there is no breath. Then an out-breath begins. Try to follow the course of that, too. As you do this, notice where the sensations of breathing are felt in the shoulders, in the belly, and so on. You might want to notice the depth and texture of each breath. The instructions do not tell us this, but it seems to work best if you don't try to control the breath. Let it breathe itself, as if you were observing someone else's breath. As all meditators know, 
you will sometimes become distracted. But when you notice that, just return to the breath and let the mind settle right there. Beginners will spend more time returning to the breath than following the breath. No problem with time and practice. You will find that the mind stays there and that, in effect, the breath dominates the world. Sounds and sights are there, but in the background. What we have been practicing so far is internal analysis. We've just been getting intimate with the breath as it presents itself, but not yet from a dharmic perspective, which is found in the refrain following the practice. Let me jump momentarily ahead and cite the part of the refrain that brings Dhamma to internal analysis. He abides contemplating in body the nature of arising, or he abides contemplating in body the nature of vanishing or he abides contemplating in body the nature of both arising and vanishing. This brings to mind the teaching of impermanence as a part of our proficiency. Let the mind settle around the breath and continue to examine its characteristics. But now notice also how each breath ends and vanishes completely. Notice how each breath appears from nothing. Notice that each breath runs through a familiar course, first appearing, then apparent in its sensations, then vanishing. Settle into the rhythm of these relentlessly repeating but ever-fleeting events. Notice that there is nothing fixed or continuous, only a stream of similar short-lived breathing events. This is the nature of breath as it presents itself in direct experience. You want to spend a lot of time just sitting there, engaged with the breath in this way, intimate with each breath, continually aware of its ephemeral, fleeting transience. A lot of time, today, tomorrow, over the weeks, months, and years, until this becomes how the breath is experienced immediately and without thought. The next lines are still part of the breath exercise, but anticipate instructions that follow in the refrain and have to do with external analysis, but with its own wording. Only the breath exercise reflects some of the content of the refrain in this way. He trains thus. I shall breathe in, experiencing the whole body. He trains thus. I shall breathe out, experiencing the whole body. He trains thus. I shall breathe in, tranquilizing the bodily fabrication. He trains thus. I shall breathe out, tranquilizing the bodily fabrication. The whole body here refers to the external body that we presume exists and that we tend to identify with the self. It is important to understand that we never experience the whole body directly, only fragments like the breath or skin and hair or movements that we presume are unified 
somehow in such a whole substantial existing fixed body. The bodily fabrication means the same thing as the whole body, since it's a made-up abstraction that we commonly identify with the self. The instruction is to bring this abstraction to mind, then try to find support for it in evidence of the fragmentary, ephemeral, fleeting transience of our observations of breath. Then failing to find support for it, in the evidence, we put the presumption to rest, that is, the experience of the whole body becomes a mere shadow alongside the direct experience of breathing. The exercise concludes with a simile. Just as a skilled lathe operator or his apprentice, when making a long turn, understands... I make a long turn, or when making a short turn understands, I make a short turn. So too, breathing in long, a bhikkhu understands, I breathe in long. The discourse then repeats verbatim the internal analysis of the breath. I suspect that what is translated as a lathe Maybe a potter's wheel, but the principle is the same. A skilled craftsman's skill is always expressed directly in how his hands are contacting the material, just as we experience the breath through local bodily sensations. But the craftsman has an abstract idea of a final product, a bowl, for instance just as we have an abstract idea of a whole body that is breathing, a whole self. Now we enter the refrain, common to all exercises. In this way he abides contemplating body in the body internally, or he abides contemplating body in the body externally, or he abides contemplating body in the body both internally and externally. The fragments of short-lived breath experience give us internal body, evidence that the external body exists that holds all of our bodily experiences together. The external body is brought to mind, always an abstraction that is too fixed and permanent to be feasible. In the context of lengthy internal analysis, with a still mind, the external body appears intuitively out of place as a conceptual intrusion, like a skydiver passing through many water droplets, being told that there is a thing called a cloud out there. The refrain continues. He abides, he abides contemplating, contemplating in body the nature of arising, or he abides contemplating in body the nature of vanishing, or he abides contemplating in body the nature of both arising and vanishing. We discuss this. It brings the teaching of impermanence to mind as part of internal analysis. The refrain ends with a couple of reflections about the significance of what we've discovered. 
recollection that there is the body is simply established in him to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and proficiency. He abides independent. He doesn't cling to anything in the world. That is how a bhikkhu abides contemplating body in the body. Next week, I'll move on to the posture exercise, which has the same logic and exactly the same refrain, repeating these various elements somewhat redundantly, but in an alternative way to get them imprinted in your understanding of the instructions. I'll also say more about the ending reflections. I have said little about the role of samadhi so far, but we'll get to that as well as we proceed through the various exercises. To learn more about the Rethinking the Satipatthana Project, please go to sirigu.org slash chintita. That is S-I-T-A-G-U dot org, C-I-N-T-I-T-A.